and uh, I was not among, amongst you, but uh, uh, my wife enjoyed her nap. But uh, anyways, it's good to be uh, back in the Lord's house. Enjoyed the services this morning, and uh, looking forward to the rest of the meeting. Uh, let's go to our theme verse for the conference, John chapter 4 uh, and verse 35 once again. John chapter 4 and verse 35, and um, I'll ask you to stand one more time, and we'll read the verse Pray that you be seated and, and again jump right into the message. John chapter 4 and verse 35. In fact, uh, I believe we all hold in our hands the King James Bible. Amen? So uh, let's read it together in unison like, like you did with the Colossians there. Uh, John chapter 4 and verse number uh, 35. The Bible says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Let's pray. Father, once again, we come into your presence. And Lord, I come boldly, not because of who I am, but because you've commanded us to do so and because we can come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask, we ask for a grace in time of need. Lord, we, we are in each and every one of us have needs, and the world has a great need. The need, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd uh, uh, fill me with your spirit, dear God, and I pray that we would not be hearers only, but that we would hearken to the word of God, and that uh, as, I, as I prayed uh, last night, that we would not only be challenged this week, but that we would be changed for your cause and for your glory. And the Lord, just help us tonight as we uh, lift up our eyes and look on, on the fields uh, that you uh, have told us to do so, told your disciples there in the passage. And uh, I pray that you would uh, help us, Lord, and that your will would be done in each and every heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Uh, last night we, we looked at this uh, verse and uh, uh, we looked at the phrase, Behold, I say unto you. And we lifted up our eyes and, and looked on the loving Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest. Tonight I want us to look at that next phrase and look on the fields. And look on the fields. And the title of the message is Lift Up and Look at the lost in the harvest. Uh, he told the disciples there uh, that, the, that the harvest uh, is great, um, or, or rather to lift their eyes and to look on the fields. In Lamentations, the Bible says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. And uh, uh, sometimes you know, people say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And, uh, and he, told, he told them to lift up uh, their eyes and to look, look on the fields. And uh, whether they were uh, literal fields or whether they were or fields of people, uh, perhaps uh, either way, uh, I think he was trying to get them to, to, to think about the harvest. In fact, in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2, a similar passage, uh, therefore said he, the, the Lord, unto them, the disciples, the harvest truly is great. And, uh, and so I think one of the things that he's, t he's telling them as he told them to lift up their eyes and look on the fields was the magnitude of the harvest, the magnitude of the harvest. And, and again, there in Luke, he says the harvest truly is uh, great. And I believe that the, the magnitude of the harvest there is, is n number one in size. Uh, and if it was great in the days of Jesus, think of how much greater it is today as far as the size this year. We passed 8 billion people on planet Earth. And, uh, and so the, the harvest <laughs> truly is great, as Jesus said. And, uh, but I believe that, uh, 
the, the magnitude is not only in the size, uh, but it's in significance. Uh, we, the word great sometimes means, you know, in size, but also in significance, all right? There's nothing greater than the harvest, right, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the harvest fields that He has left us here uh, to sow and to labor in uh, those fields. And so he, he wants us to, I believe, continuously be looking on them. In other words, when we see people, we ought to see them as Jesus saw them, right? When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And, uh, and so, uh, first of all, the magnitude of the harvest, and then uh, the, the rest of the, uh, the message is going to be the motivation uh, for the harvest. And there's uh, at least four, we'll look at four biblical motivations uh, for the harvest. I think that's uh, that Jesus was motivating them when he told them, lift up your eyes. And that's part of, you know, the, I'm sure part of the reason uh, Pastor Dunbar chose the, the theme, lift up and look, to motivate us uh, to, to look on the fields as Jesus did. Uh, and when you see somebody uh, not just a picture of somebody across, you know, across the planet, uh, but when you see somebody with your eyes at Walmart or wherever you go, uh, day by day, they have a destination, right? They're going to one of two places, heaven or hell. And, uh, and so we ought to consider, uh, continuously consider uh, the fields. And, the, uh, and we have motivation for the harvest and for the fields in the Word of God. And so let's consider some. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we'll look at verses 35 through 38 as we, first of all, consider motivation from without. A motivation from without. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And then verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them. And uh, at lunch today, uh, a name came up, uh, Brother Carlos Demarest. Uh, Bob Adams was very good friends with him, and I never got to meet him, but I've heard stories of him uh, on the metro in, in Mexico City and just looking at the, at the multitudes and tears coming to his eyes. And, uh, and, and Jesus, uh, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. In verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And so even the Lord Jesus Christ was motivated from without when he saw the multitudes. Again, he was moved with compassion. And the motivation from without is, uh, is the world's woe. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't watch news because, uh, well, it's bad news, <laughs> Right? Uh, I mean, if you want to get depressed or discouraged, just turn the news on. Now, I'm not saying that we, you know, we, we shouldn't be abreast of, of, of current events and, and, uh, and uh, I believe we ought to be praying, you know, for the situation over there in Israel. Uh, I say even come Lord Jesus. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I, I'm not a date setter. I don't know when he's coming. I believe he's coming soon. But in the meantime, uh, we need to be motivated. And one of the things that mot should and can motivate us is the world's woe as we as we look around us? You know whether you watch news or not. Um, it doesn't take much to figure out the world's woe as we we think of the decay, right? Uh, that was also talked about in some conversations this week. You know things aren't the way they used to be, and uh, and and the decay of our society as we see. You know sodomy. You know it used to, well it is an abomination 
uh, and uh, then, then it was called, uh, you know, an alternative lifestyle, and, and now it's being, you know, shoved down our, our throats. And, uh, and, and you think of the moral decay and the secularization of our culture, uh, which has really secularized, we could talk about the secularization of our churches and our homes, but um, the decay around us, you know, uh, still about one million abortions, and, and praise God that, you know, we, ha- we, ha- we had some good things uh, happen in, in recent uh, years here with that, uh, but uh, that's still a lot of innocent blood being shed. And, uh, and we can talk about the death around us. Uh, about 150,000 people a day pass into eternity. And if statistics are correct in that uh, about half this world has never even heard the gospel, uh, we can pretty much assume that more than half of those 150,000 people are, ha- have split hell wide open. And that ought to motivate us. And I know we don't like to talk about death and we don't like to talk about hell, but we, we need preaching on hell, amen? We need to, uh, to understand that hell is a real place and, and we'll talk more about that, but as we look around us, the decay and the death and, and the dearth, the dearth of the gospel, that's what, uh, was, that's what motivated Bob Adams in 1977, I believe he was in Mexico, it might have been in Mexico City, I can't remember the whole exact story, but uh, I, I wasn't there, but uh, uh, it's interesting, I was saved the, the year that he started Wings Bearing Precious Seed, but anyways, he was down there and he saw the dearth of scriptures and, uh, and the dearth of laborers and and, uh, and there's a dearth of, of, of both of those around the world, the, the gospel. Uh, there are 50 countries on planet Earth that don't have a single independent Baptist missionary. 50 countries. And I, I, I ask you, is that God's fault? Well, I answer, no, it is not, because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And uh, he, he, I believe he's calling, and, and uh, I don't have time to go into into depth about that, but, uh, but there's a dearth. Uh, of the gospel being preached around the world. There's a dearth for scriptures. Uh, thousands of languages don't even have John 3.16 in them. And uh, while 90% of Americans have Bibles, most of them aren't reading it and living it, but at least we have access. I think that was also mentioned this morning. You can, I, I've said it for a long time. You can go to a dollar store and pick up a copy of the Word of God for $1 in America. But around the rest of the world, only about 25% even have access to the Word of God. And so there's a dearth around the world. And, and, and folks, we, that we, you know, when we talk about these things, you know, some people say, well, let's just tie a knot and hang on until Jesus comes. No, this is to motivate us to do something about it. Not to you know, have a poochy lip disease and, and oh, well, we can't do anything. Uh, it's like the, remember the story about the boy, he's on the seashore and uh, uh, an older gentleman walks up to him and sees what's, what's going on and, and he was picking up starfish that were on the, on the beach and throwing them into the ocean. And there, there, had, been, there had been a storm and thousands of them had washed up, washed up on, on the shore. And, and the man said to the boy, what are you doing? And uh, he says, you can't make a difference. And he picked up another one and he threw it in the ocean. He said, made a difference for that one. Yeah. Amen. And so, folks, uh, we, 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 as we look at the world, yes, it, there's moral decay, there's death around us, there's the, the dearth of the gospel and the scriptures. But the church, uh, Pastor Dunbar kind of said this, this quote I, ple- I believe is from, a, well, it doesn't matter who it's from, but the church is the link between the world and its sin and woe and Christ and his love and power. 
The church is the link. And again, I mentioned missions is not just a program of the church. It's the mission of the church, right? Again, the church is the link between the world and its sin and woe and Christ and his love and power. He is the answer. Amen. Uh, we, we've talked about that uh, in some way or shape or form that's come out in every message. And so Christ is the answer. And that ought to motivate us as we consider the world's woe and motivation from without. But let's, let's look at some other biblical motivations. There's not only the motivation from without, but there's motivation from within. Now, you don't have to turn there. You know the verse in Acts 1.8. The Bible says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. All right? Uh, some people think, you know, uh, I don't think we should miss... Um, some Baptists are afraid to talk about the Spirit of God because the Charismatics have you know, totally take, taken the teaching of the Holy Spirit out of context. But folks, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the person of the Godhead that is here on planet Earth now. In the Old Testament, it was God the Father, right, that he spoke to the patriarchs and he, and he spoke to uh, the writers. I, I, I don't call them authors. God is the author, okay? Uh, but uh, Moses, you know, he wrote down the law. God spoke to him, God the Father. And then in, in, in the Gospels, of course, and in the time that Jesus Christ was here, uh, God the Son, not just, um, not just the Son of God, but God the Son was a here on planet Earth. And, and obviously he was the one uh, involved in, in here in, on Earth. But he went to heaven and he promised to send the Comforter, right? And by the way, if we're a child of God, we have the Spirit of God within us, right? He's in dwell. We don't have to pray like David did, you know, not to remove the Holy Spirit from us because he has sealed us, amen? He's not, by the way, can I say something? You have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want. Okay? The question is, how much of you, how much of, I, how much of me does he have? Because he, he's all-powerful. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he doesn't force us, right? We have to surrender to him, right? Just like salvation. You know, we, we, it, uh, God saves us, but we trust him. We, we transfer our dependence to him for salvation. The same thing on a daily, on a daily basis. We must reckon ourselves dead to sin and then surrender ourselves to the Spirit of God, to have His will and way in our lives. And so the, the Spirit's supplication is what we're talking about. Motivation from within. The, again, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to... We, we, yes, we ought to worship and praise God, but it's not about what a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is about. And the, this verse tells us one of the main things it's about is that ye shall be witnesses. And by the way, we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit. He came, all right? We're not to be up in the upper, yes, we're to come to church, but folks, we are to be filled with the Spirit of God and one of the main reasons to be a witness for God. And so the problem is too many believers are not in tune to that still, small voice. And uh, I'm afraid that one of the problems of Amer in, uh, in American uh, uh, Christianity is uh, gadgets have become more important than God. And uh, I'm afraid there's Christians that spend more time on Facebook than with their face in the book. Right? And, uh, and I'm not, I've got a you know, smartphone. I'm not saying that, that gadgets can't be used for the cause of Christ, but they're, uh, they're a big uh, distraction to most people, I'm afraid. And, uh, and so it, it, it's like... 
It's like nowadays, you know, a Christian, they're doing their devotions. Beep, you know, they're, oh, I got to look at, oh, I got to see the text. Why don't you turn your phone off and hear from God? And let, stop letting all the, all the gadgets interrupt your community. And then we wonder why, why we don't have power in our lives. Um, and uh, selfishness has uh, taken the place of, of the Savior. And, and, we're, and again, we're, I understand we're, everybody's busy. and We've got we to you know, take care of things and, and provide for our families. But, uh, but folks, let's be in tune with the Spirit of God. Uh, Maybe you're not, maybe I'm the only one here, but I'll have to, you, Pastor Dunbar talked about being transparent. You know, sometimes I've argued, right, with the Holy Spirit when he said, hey, why don't you give that person a track? And I'm like, nah, he doesn't want a track. Like I know more than the Holy Spirit. Hello, right? Oh, no, he's got, you know, he's got piercings or he's got tattoos or he's got this, that, and the other. Yeah, so what? I'll tell you something. Well, I won't go into the whole story, but. We went back to our hotel room, and, and there was a person outside. And uh, I went into the, into the room, and my wife got a track and went out and gave the person a track. And I heard the conversation, and it was one of those people that I was thinking, that person, because I don't know if it was a he or a she, <laughs> wouldn't want a track. But she appreciated getting the track from my wife. So obviously my wife was in tune to the Spirit of God. Amen. She was listening to the Spirit's supplication. She was motivated from within. And we all ought to be. And I believe that we all will be on a daily basis if we will say, God, give me an opportunity. I believe some people go so winning. I'm not against that. I believe churches ought to have times to go so winning. But there are some people that are so winners. It, oh, it's not, oh, it's Thursday night. I got to go, you know, go tell somebody about Jesus. No, how about every day? God, give me an opportunity to tell somebody about you. Even if it's just giving someone a gospel. Church. Hey, can I give you some good news? At least introduce them, right? And, uh, and be so conscious. How do we do that? By being in tune to the Spirit of God. Because He is so conscious. Amen? Um, uh, again, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so number three, we have also motivation from below. Motivation from below. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 16. A familiar passage of scripture, I, I believe. Um, and some people call this, uh, this passage a parable. I don't believe it's a parable. I believe it's a literal story. When Jesus tells parables, he doesn't name people. Um, here we have names, and I believe this is a, a literal story, not just a parable. And it came to pass, verse 22, that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, 
that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And uh, someone said that, you know, that if, if hell was let loose, the world's best soul winners would, you know, would go out amongst the world. I mean, he, 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 he cared, right? But you know what? It was too late. It was too late for him. And, uh, and of course, Lazarus couldn't go uh, tell, his, tell them. And uh, he, he wanted someone to, you know, to rise from the dead and go tell them about Christ. And, and anyways, the pastor goes on to talk about them, to basically tell them, hey, they have the word of God. Now, of course, we are to share the word of God, like we heard this morning. You know, Philip went and, and taught the meaning of Isaiah there. Um, but the point is, that, that rich man, he's still in hell. And uh, he can't see Father Abraham or, or Lazarus anymore. They're in heaven. Uh, you know, I think you understand that. Um, they were in the, in the center of the earth until Christ rose, and, and then he took them to, to paradise, right, to, to heaven. But, but the rich man, I believe, is still in the center of the earth, a place called hell, and he'll be there until he's brought before the great throne of God. And that will not be to determine his destination. We understand that, right? People say, you know, that they're going to be judged by, by the books. That's not to determine where they're going. Everybody at the, in front of the great white throne of God, is, their destination is already determined. The, the judgment is basically to show that God is just, right? And, uh, but that rich man will be burning forever and ever. And we, we can't even fathom it. And, uh, but... It should motivate us. We, I believe that we should, we should think about hell on a daily basis. I really do. Not shove it out of our minds, but realize there are people, yay, across the sea, but yay, across the street. Maybe it's the server you know, that's taking care of you. Maybe it's the cashier that you uh, might not have an opportunity to have a long conversation, but you can at least introduce them. You can at least give them a gospel track. We could tell stories about people that got saved reading a gospel track. And, uh, and so we ought to be motivated from below by hell's horror. It's a, it's a real, literal place. Uh, some people say, ah, nah, nah, hell can't be real. A lot of religious people say the hell isn't real. Do you know the Bible says more about hell than it does about heaven? And uh, I think one of the reasons is we're to warn people, right? We're to be uh, that watchman. The Old Testament talks about the watchman, right? And when the enemy came, they were, they were to warn. Now, if, if they warned and people didn't listen, you know, their hands were clean. But if they didn't warn, then the blood was on their hands, right? And I believe that, um, you know, talking about being transparent, you know, I think I mentioned last night that for four years I was away from God. I was saved on my way to heaven, but I wasn't a witness. And, and some people say, oh, that's okay, you're serving God today. Well, by God's grace, but, but you know what? At that great white throne of God, I'm not sure if I have Bible for this, where we're going to be. I, maybe we're behind, behind it all. But if we are behind it, I'm afraid that there's going to be some people, some people that worked at Cracker Barrel with me, some people that played volleyball with me, and they're going to look at me and they're going to say, AJ, that's what I used to go by. I'm going to say, AJ, you played volleyball with me. You, you worked with me at Cracker Barrel. You never told me. You never warned me. And their blood is going to be upon my hands. 
and I have no contact with them anymore, and, and I, I have no way of, of going back and, and, and making up for that. Yes, I, can, I ought to be and can be faithful now and, and, and see people saved and, and praise God for that, but folks, we ought to re, be reminded of the, and be motivated from below and hell's horror, and, and don't forget it. And by the way, we ought not to forget that we were on their way, on their way there, and now we're on our way to heaven. And not be, you know, and not look, well, like I look a lot of times. I, tell, I heard a preacher once say, I'm not mad, I just have an HRF. Anybody know what HRF means? Hostile resting face. <laughs> Guilty as charged. No, no. But seriously, you know, we go around, hey, you want to be a Christian, you know, and, and we got the, you know, the poochie lip disease. We looked like we just sucked on a lemon, you know. Folks, we ought to have some joy. Amen. There is joy in serving Jesus. And, uh, and when people, and by the way, some, when people that know us, it's not when everything is hunky-dory. It's when we go through trials that they notice, you know, something's different, right? And I don't like trials and troubles, believe me. Um, but, uh, but God has a purpose and a plan for them. And if we will maintain a good testimony, sometimes God uses that uh, to, to bring people to Christ, either when they're at their wit's end or when they see us, so to speak, at our wit's end. But... We trust in God and we have joy. And they, see, people say, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances. Anybody like, you know, those are the kind of people you don't ask. How are you doing, right? But folks, as Christians, we don't have to say, well, under the circumstances. Above the circumstances, despite the circumstances, I have love, joy, and peace because I know the Savior. And He abides within me. And I get to tell the story. Amen? I get to tell others of Christ. Why? Because if not, as Pastor said, if, if we don't, who is? And, and hell is coming, whether they hear it or not. And then finally, uh, where we finished last night is kind of where we'll finish tonight. But not only um, is there motivation from without, as we consider the world's woe, and we, we see the decay and the death and, and the dearth around us. There's a motivation from within, the spirit supplication. I believe that that ought to be daily as we, as we get into his word, of course, as he speaks to us. And then as we just ask him to give us opportunities. Some people say, yeah, but Brother Johnson, you don't understand. I'm shy. Well, can, can, my response to that is welcome to the club. <laughs> but God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so uh, we, let's not make excuses. Amen? We have different personalities, uh, but we are all to be motivated from within by the Spirit of God. I believe he, he has opportunities that He wants to give each and every one of us. I call them divine appointments. Divine appointments. And uh, for the sake of time, I won't go into illustrations of divine appointments that by God's grace... Uh, uh, he's given me around the world, not because I'm super Christian, but because the harvest is great and the labors are few. And I serve a great God who is still in the saving business. And he wants to motivate us by not only the motivation from without the world's will, the motivation from within the spirit supplication and the motivation from below hell's horror. But I believe that the greatest motivation of all is the motivation from above. And that is God's glory. I know that sometimes we say, uh, we say ministry is about people, and I agree with that. We ought to love people. And, uh, and some, some people say, keep the main thing, the main thing. They're talking about soul winning. I'm for soul winning. 
But, uh, but what, I, what I'm also saying is that if, that if that's your only motivation, and perhaps even main motivation, you might get burnt out. You might get tired of people saying no, closing the door in your face. Uh, I know missionaries serving in places that I would call open, people receptive, and, and that's awesome, that's great. But I also know of missionaries laboring in places that are hard fields. I've been there. And they get a lot more no's and a lot more atheists and agnostics and so on and so forth. But God loves all of them, right? And if he's called them to go, they go and they preach. And, uh, but, uh, but some get discouraged along the way because to them it's, it's, it's all about you know, the people. And again, yes, love people. It's a biblical motivation. We just talked about it. But there's one that goes deeper, and that's God's glory, the motivation from above. Again, it's about him. Remember last night we finished in Revelation 4.11, and we won't repeat that, and we won't take the time to go into chapter 5, but chapter 5 builds this beautiful scene, and it, it kind of culminates in verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And just a beautiful scene there pictured in that, in that chapter. And we talked about the African missionary last night. I want to give you another illustration tonight. Two men in the Caribbean years ago, in the 1700s actually, they had a man come through and tell them about an island in the Caribbean uh, that was owned by a, an individual that had brought about two to 3,000 slaves from Africa. And he said, no gospel preacher is welcome here. You know what these two men did? Um, well, they were moved with compassion. They hadn't seen them with their eyes, but they heard about them. And they were moved with compassion to the extent that they sold their lives into slavery. You say, wow, what love for souls. Well, I won't disagree, but it goes deeper than that. It's love for the Savior that will then in turn give them love for souls. Right? The number one qualification of a missionary is not love for souls, but love for the Savior. And if we love the Savior, we will continue to love souls even when they disappoint us, even when they turn us down because we realize it's not even us, it's, it's Him, right? Yes, we can be disappointed, but we keep on pressing on because we understand it's about the Lamb that was slain. And these two missionaries that were, uh, uh, when they got on the boat to go out to the river Hamburg and out to the open seas and to that island, they were not, do not misunderstand me, they were not going as church planners. I'm for church planners. I pray for church planners on a daily basis. And we provide scriptures for the sower. And uh, however, they were going as slaves. They didn't know that they'd see anybody say, but they knew one thing, and, and the reason we know it is because they, were, they yelled to their family and friends on the shorelines, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. And that comes from that passage there in Revelation chapter 5. I encourage you to, to look at it tonight. Revelation 4, 11 through chapter 5. And, uh, and, and by the way, over the next 25 years, out of this one church in Germany, 100 individuals and families out of one church went into the mission fields of the world. They say more was done for missions in that 25-year period than had been done in the 200 previous years. And that became known as the Moravian call to missions. And, 
And that's the reason why we put our prayer map out. I mentioned earlier that there's 50 countries. About 10 years ago, there were 70 countries that didn't have a single independent Baptist missionary. God is calling. The number's down to 50. Uh, so it's bad news and good news. It's bad news that there's still a lot of people that need to hear the gospel. And, but the good news is that God is hearing and God is answering. And some people are praying the loving Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Why? Because they've been motivated from without. Yes, the world's woe. And from, uh, from within, the spirit supplication, yes. And from below, hell's horrors, yes. But from above, God's glory. And if that, I, I believe I've tried to make that the bottom line of, my minist- of our ministry. Yes, I, I, I like stats and I keep track of numbers and we set goals. But it's not about numbers, my dear friend. It's about the lamb that was slain, that he would receive the glory. Pastor Dunbar led us in a chorus before lunch over there, and he talked about every tribe, right, every language being there at the throne of God. And folks, we get to have a part. Let's be motivated to do something, to do more. I'm not saying you're not doing anything. I know you are. But folks, we can all do more. I'm first in line. God, change me. Motivate me to pray more, to participate more, and yet provide more for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God. I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward and and Pastor Dunbar to take the service uh, as he sees fit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. And dear God, I I thank you for the, the example that you set for us when you were here. And, of course, the Word of God that's, uh, that teaches us, Lord, and uh, you give us these, uh, these motivations and, uh, to be about the Father's will and work, and that, which you were about, as we saw last night. And, Lord, you've, you told us to, to look at the fields. Lord, bring tears again to our eyes and help us, Lord, as, as a whole, I'm afraid, American Christianity has become very superficial. And uh, Lord, there, there aren't, there aren't uh, tears like they used to be. And uh, we say that we care, but do we care enough to make a difference? I thank you for this church, Lord, and the difference that they are making. And the uh, Lord and, and their partnership with, I believe, all, all these missionaries that are here. Um, but I pray that you would enable them to do even more in this coming year, in these coming two years, Lord. As they, as they rekindle, uh, Lord, uh, this, uh, this matter of, of worldwide missions. And may you enlarge uh, their impact both locally and globally. And Lord, yes, for souls to be saved, but above all, for you to be magnified and glorified throughout eternity. For you are worthy. Please have your will and way. And the invitation and the rest of the meeting this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.